going on? Welcome to Crew 3 Podcast. Chris Ruckman with me this week is my co-host, Chris. How are you doing, buddy? One salute for a Ricky who has lost his internet yeah. in San Antonio and is currently living in the uh, the 80s. And is being extorted by his internet company, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, if we come out there and it's not broken. You That's owe right. us money. That's right. You're paying this. You're paying this man lunch. You're paying his. Uh, you're paying his vet bill for the next two weeks. Uh, yeah. If it's yeah, well, what a, what a way to run a business, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, we got a very busy episode this week because I think this is the biggest does it slap uh, kind of submission stack we've gotten. Uh, in the entire run of the show, you, you, you listeners, you listeners are truly inspiring. I mean, this is this is the most submission. I'm I can't even open them all. There are too many. The most we've ever gotten. More people stepped up to the plate to submit decks for us to review than ever. A lot of people are one excited about the set and, and excited to have us uh, read over their deck list, which I think yeah. is amazing. So, of course, before we do that, we also have our own deck list to talk about. Uh, Ricky, unfortunately, again, not here this week, but he's been on Twitter like a mad dog tweeting out a deck list about a day. So uh, you can just go check out also Steve on Twitter to go see his deck list, and I'll be sure to link them in the uh, podcast description below for you uh, listening audio and on the YouTube. Because I got to get backed up later on YouTube. I missed the last couple weeks because we just got busy with stuff. But uh, this week's episode will be back up on YouTube. We'll get that train going once again. Uh, but, uh, after that though, I got to sit down and have a wonderful interview with, uh, one Joaquin Montez, who of course won the, the gathering place 5k this last weekend, or, uh, kind of split finals, like a double slot, right? So they got uh, two invites. So, uh, he took that down with Racto Sacrifice. So I sat down and did a little 30 minute interview with him going over the deck list, why he picked it up. And, uh, there's some tips and tricks. We just had a good old Racto Sack discussion. So... Nice to kind of get one of those in again, talk to someone who is succeeding the game at a definitely a higher level and uh, things of that nature. So getting his thoughts and opinions on the deck list uh, was great. Um, nice. So be sure we'll put that in uh, probably after the deck list before we go to the Patreon mailbag. So uh, we definitely have a very stacked episode for you all. Uh, but before that, though, Chris, I mean, we don't really it's not really a segment anymore, but of course, uh you know, we, we like to think back fondly to our old idea of uh, what killed magic this week with whatever's the whatever's lighting up the Zeter sphere and yeah. uh, the Zeter verse, the Zeter verse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I totally I've been busy the last several days with some project work at work, so I haven't been on uh, Twitter as much. You've had better uh, things to do than surf Twitter all day. Tur- yeah. Uh, yeah, luckily my boss is listening to this show, or I'd be like, you know, I'm on Twitter <laughs> half the day, right? Right. Yeah, uh, right, I've, right. I've only been on Twitter about a fourth of the day this last couple, this last week or so, but I totally missed this. Well, yeah. I think I saw the precursor to this drama. So why don't you, why don't you go ahead and just kind of lay on down the field? We'll, we'll weigh in on the current drama, and then we'll get going with some deck lists. Yeah. The, uh, the big thing was, um, how do I even say it? I, I don't even know exactly how it started. I just saw the quote tweet of three professional magic players or former professional magic players getting in the discourse about lands. Uh-huh. Um, I actually think it started with like Pleasant Kenobi and um, I'll, I'll leave that there. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't have any. Yeah, I, I think it all stems from an article that Sam Black wrote about a week ago or so talking about, Hey, I played a bunch of, games where you use cards in hand as lands and here's why they're all awful garbage and why magic's land system is the best 
Yeah, and, and tell you tell you what, if there's somebody to listen to on that, it is probably Sam Black. Sam Black played a ton of other games. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a game back in the day. I want to say it was called like Hex Slash or something. Uh, the the he's he's really played a lot of other games at a very very high level. Yeah, and so um, Sam Black, uh, you know, and, and Sam Black is a is a guy who has kind of mixed. I don't know. A mixed reputation in the community just for his friendliness, I feel like, you know? Sure. I, like social thing I, I think game theory, he is very spot on, very knowledgeable. And yeah. I, I read the article. I think the article was definitely well thought out. And it does bring up a lot of points I agree with. But I don't think they're necessarily detractors of other games like he made it sound like. And more so why I think people just enjoy magic more. And, and yeah. what I'm really curious on is... What because he said, like, you know, he brings up like Lorcana isn't the game he was complaining about, and he would never say what game at Gen Con he played that he really disliked. Because I think that also really comes into it because, like, the whole play Lance from your hand thing, like, Duel Masters do, has done, uh, Duel Monsters, yeah. um, Kaijudo, yeah. Lorcana, Grand several Archive. games of Grand Archive. Grand Archive is different, though. I and I and I is a very different way Grand Archive handles it, and I think that's why. I really wish he would have said what game it was because I do think a game like Grand Archive, I know people are probably tired of hearing about Grand Archive on this show, but uh, I'm, I'm still in the game, you know. It doesn't, Grand Archive at least is different with how it approaches the the resources from hand mechanic, right? So I guess kind of just go go ahead and let's let's talk, let's weigh in kind of Finkel's, Finkel's thoughts and uh, just kind of share our own, I guess, on just the idea of uh, what lands add to magic in a sense. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll start off by saying that like the reason this kind of resonated with me is that a lot of people don't like the land system and magic and I'll just go ahead and say it. I don't think that they're wrong. I think that a lot of people have frustration with lands and mm-hmm. it is just a fact that magic has a lot of non games and that's not always a good thing. Mag- you know, lands do add a lot to magic. I was frustrated with the discourse because I feel like there's a lot of things that if you've played magic for more than six months, like lands being cool are kind of obvious for what they do. Like I'm, I'm we're not going to talk anything about the things that lands add to magic. That's going to be mind blowing. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but I just don't think that, it's this really high level genius, high IQ thought process for lands. And it was really, I don't know, the, the, the discourse wasn't disrespectful, but the thoughts were pretty basic in my opinion. And I didn't feel like they were as like enlightening as they kind of were made out to seem because of the people that they came from. They came from high level players, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that makes the, the common player wrong for going, oh, this kind of sucks. I played of the 10 games I've played, only three have been relevant because of because of lands, you know? So mm-hmm. like like you said, going over things lands add, you know, uh, design space, right? Yeah. You you and Ricky, I feel like are better at, at designing cards that you both like design some cards, talked about card design in the past. Um, so you can probably speak to more on that than I can. But, you know, what do you feel like they do as far as giving you design space? So obviously, I, I think you look at things like um, what Magic does with lands lately right i i think magic in terms of lands has turned them less into um has solved a lot of the issue on what happens you have too many lands i think you see a lot of like the channel lands you have i think modal dfcs are kind of the closest thing we've gotten to like oh well now we can kind of play extra lands that add having too many lands in our deck but at the same time to me i think that's more so a version i see that more as a 
Um, I've drawn too many lands. What can I do with them now? So I see right. modal DFCs as a um, kind of, I think inverse is a lot of what other people think of them as is just like, um, I think they're more so just so you don't Lands have, have gotten a lot better. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like I, what you could do with them. I mean. Yeah. I mean, we've seen like improvements in man lands and things like that. I, I think they do offer a lot of space that gives you a lot of options for, I've drawn too many lands, mm-hmm. but the question of I've drawn not enough lands is always going to be a big right. issue. Right. right. Uh, right. right. We've kind of done one of those that you nailed it exactly. It's like, those things are really, really great for when I've drawn too many lands. And I guess that just means I should stack my, you know, my, my, my deck full of lands. But if I'm trying to shred on them because I don't have the mana yeah. or I don't have the time, if I'm an aggro deck, I lose out on that, on that utility that you're yeah. talking about. Right. And, and, and I, I think you look at other games where, you had like it's been a while since I've played like Force. I haven't played Force in like eight years, right? That game just right, right. kind of died off. But I, I remember if I remember right, like the game had the option of like you had like your land deck, and every turn you could go, I would like to draw from my land deck to hit a land, or I would like to draw a regular card. And so you sure. had like the choice between guaranteed land drop or I need action, so I can't take the turn to draw to like draw a land, right? Um, and then again, I think we've, uh, again, mentioning things like dual ma- monsters, dual master, sorry, and Kaijudo were kind of the big ones I think people think about of, um, well, every card in my hand is a land yeah. and whatever the color they, that creature is, that's what land it is. That was a game um, also made by Wizards of the Coast. Yes. Original Pokemon. Yeah. Also Wizards of the Coast. That system, by the way, now, I don't think you, you can't really call energy lands. Like, the amount of no. ways you play, like, some some decks play, like, three energies in their deck, and you're searching them out. Like, you draw your whole deck most of the time. So, yeah, um, I, I, I think, you know, it's like a, a lot of these thoughts just... If you sat and thought about the game for a while, you could you could think about these things, right? Design space is cool. You like you know the class system in Hearthstone. You get to break that. You can play whatever cards you want as long as you've got the lands to cast them. But I just don't think any of the ideas are really great, and it doesn't help you when you draw too few lands or you draw six lands off the top in a row. Yeah. Or whatever. And, and I, I hated the argument that was kind of brought about like, oh, it, it makes watching the game more interesting because it's just like, you know. The, the player could strike out at the box because they just drew a land instead of, like, the thing. Or it's it's really crazy now that you think about, you know, you have the the, the, the Kibler gets bonfired moment. What if he hits, what if he flips a land instead? What if instead of Quilting, he flips a land instead? It's like, okay, but that could just be any other card that any isn't card. Right. isn't those cards, right? It, it's Those moments are impressive because of the cards they were hit, not the fact that it wasn't a land. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's like, and and ultimately, like at the end of this, I think that it's it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird discussion a little bit because I think Magic is a really good game. I think it's a very skill intensive game because of those lands. I have not, and and, and it's just one of the things. Like, I will I will probably teach some of my friends to play other games, but like when my friends ask about Magic, it's not the first game I want to bring them into, right? Sure. I just I don't think it's a very beginner friendly, probably more so than Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> as we yeah. we learned by people who are playing Hearthstone and things like that. And I do think that Magic can be beginner friendly. I think Arena helps a lot with that. Yeah. But it is a very, very intricate game. And of it's, course, again, there's a lot of rules. It's kind of, of why rules. I miss Kaijudo, which is a very nice magic light. Especially I mean, I think Kai, I think Duel Monsters definitely a little more intricate than Kaijudo ended up being once they brought Kaijudo back, right? Yeah. Uh, I think those are great magic light type games to get people get people interested in learning and then you're like all right now 
here's what happens. We have limited resources and not yeah. everything is, is a land. And, and, and the double, the double deck thing, I think is a good idea. I mean, I think it's, again, you've seen Richard Garfield, you've seen Wizards of the Coast, look at other ideas for systems mm-hmm. just because you don't want to rehash it. I really do think that magic has done lands about as good as you can do them, especially yeah. when you have, like you said, modal double face cards, especially when you have channel lands, especially when you have man lands, right? Um, you can make these cards kind of do anything. And I do really think that, that goes a long way to making lands better. Um, but still the system just isn't for everybody. And I, I don't think a lot of hullabaloo was made about how great lands are. And I don't think lands are the reason for magic success. Um, I do think again, a little bit in the way you can build your deck, mm-hmm. but I think that like instance, and I think that everything's in one deck. I don't have to have six pieces. Sure. I don't have, to have four decks and, and a bunch of pieces. And what, you know, it was, it's a simple game to play. I, I shuffle up my deck. We battle. Right. The concept makes sense. The fantasy makes sense. I think there's a lot of other things about magic that make it better. And there are other games that are still successful. I just think magic was one of the first. So, yeah, no, I, I, 100%, I, I agree that I don't think I think lands lands help give you an identity to latch onto your yeah. deck with. But That's at the same fine. time, I think everyone associates themselves with the color of the cards being played, not the. I'm an island player, right? right? right Everyone, right, <laughs> right? You know, you you, know you, you don't go. I'm a blue mage. You go. I play islands. A, a lot of the people that turned away from magic turned away because of lands, and I I just don't think that that many people. And it's a lot of the people that I talk to coming from like playing Hearthstone sure. at a very competitive level, other games at a very competitive level. When I couldn't play on weekends, because like I said, you digital games. Um, um, are, are a great way to kind of get around the system. You get one per turn. There's a lot of ways to work around it. So mm-hmm. talking to a lot of people who have went away from Magic Lands were part of it. I just, I don't think that they're all wrong for feeling that way. I think they have a legitimate complaint about yeah. the land system. Um, I think it's a fine system, but I think acting like it's like the savior of Magic is is a little, is a little off to me. I just, I don't yeah. see it, you know. But who knows? We're not multi-time Pro Tour Hall of Famers or Pro Tour Trophy winners, so... Uh... Maybe if we started loving lands more, we'd get there. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about our own deck list, and then we'll start going through the mass Apollo community submissions. Uh, who do you want to go first, or can I go first? Um, that is up to you. Do you uh, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I'm Let's excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. So, I mean, this should come as no surprise, but I'm here taking everyone. Back to class, baby. It is Bard class time. Now, obviously, I've been kind of keeping this deck, and every set we've kind of gotten a little nibble here and there. We get a little little, little extra piece, right? Mm -hmm. But now, but now, I think we're really close. So, uh, what we're we're really featuring here is we are we we got to add Ruby Daring Tracker and Agatha of the Vile Cauldron. Now, Ruby here is a uh, you know, I'm gonna girl math it a bit and say it's basically free. Like yeah. we, we've already invested into that bard class, so right. Ruby's basically free. So basically. she's a zero drop one two with haste. Uh, that is a mana dork, and then whenever she attacks, if you control a creature power four or greater, she gets plus two plus two until end of turn. But importantly, she's a mana dork, and yeah. until with haste. I with haste, right? Mm-hmm. So until I get a legendary Llanowar elf for this deck, um, I think this is about as good as we're gonna get. Yeah. Um and that's that's really big. I mean, again, uh you, you mentioned Yuga earlier, right? And so we, we need these like extenders. And essentially, Ruby, when you have a bard class on level two, is just the lotus petal for this deck. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think that's really important to keep you going. Um uh, and then of course Agatha of the Vile Cauldron, another basically free. 
card. Uh, one one legendary human warlock. Activate is a creature you control. Cost X plus to activate where X is added to the Vile Cauldron's power. This effect can't reduce um, the mana cost less than one mana, which is fine. Um, I mean, because importantly here, she has her own ability because we don't really have that many creatures with with activated abilities. I mean, right. we're, we're playing we're playing one Ronus. So I mean, you know, getting to reduce Ronus's ability cost. Yeah, Goro Goro. Pretty solid, right? Yeah, Goro Goro. Uh, but her main part is she overruns and gives our board trample and haste for four and gruel. So initially, overruns right, like three, three. this is only plus one plus one, but I hear you. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm sitting down. I'm in the class right now. Yeah. So uh, wait, what, what gives plus three plus three? I think Overrun gives plus three plus three. Sure, 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 sure. But we make enough mana that we're going right. to be able to activate this. Yeah, basically, yes. I see what you're saying. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so I, I, the big thing here is, I mean, like, we picked up Goro Goro in Kamigawa came out, so we could give the board haste. So that turn we kind of popped off, filled our board. We couldn't really swing with the board. We had to rely on a creature we played earlier, or you you dominate Arctobolist, um not Domri or Bullets. You, we we play the other Domri that would give something Riot to kind of cheat in a Haster guy, right? Sure. Or you just play like kind of suboptimal. Um, you'd play like the Rodders or stuff like that. I mean, we're still playing um, two Targnars here as kind of our big, essentially, fireball equivalent. Uh, and I've seen other people just play straight up. Uh, what's the uncounterable fire teamer? Um, teamer claws or whatever like that that one oh um, yes i know what you're saying i've mm-hmm. seen people play that in this deck just because again you can just fireball for big manas right i just call it demon fire because that's the one that i remember if it's, if yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. more it's uncountable or whatever you're doing, yeah. yeah so since you have that type of card um so essentially now uh, we we get to pump our board wide it gives it all trample it's giving it all haste we can kind of swing in big so the rest of the the rest of the build here is to, uh, we're going to start with the creatures. So, um, actually, we are able to cut the one drops, at least in my build. I don't think we're, the one drops are worth it either. The two one drops we're playing, we're playing Zergo Bell Striker and Ovia Pashri to give us um, a one drop to play with Mox Amber. But even then, like, that's not really getting you very far because it still wouldn't allow, like, you would, it would take two Mox Ambers to. Um, to turn to play and level up bard class. So like, even then it's not really accelerating you a whole lot. So we, we cut those. So we are now on just four Ruby daring tracker. Again, I see her as Lotus petal. So if we're hitting extras of her, like that's not the end of the world, right? Uh, we're playing, uh, two copies again of Agatha, the vile cauldron. We're playing three Hajar loyal bodyguard. Uh, it's a three, three bro. That also gives, when we sack him, we can give our legendary creatures plus one, plus one indestructible to undeterred. And that's yep. a free sack. So we're yep. playing three. I I would play the fourth that we could find the room for it, but we also don't want to load up a lot on too many doubles. Yeah. Um, so we're definitely going to play the fourth of jar on the board, right? Uh, like you said, we're playing one Goro Goro Disciple of say, which used to be our haste enabler, but now it's kind of our secondary haste enabler. Uh, we're playing three Galia of the Endless Dance. Uh, it's a nice hasty threat that will help us filter our board. If we get in with some extra guys, uh, we are playing, like I said, two Targnar. Again, um, kind of one of those extra fireball type effect type creatures. Uh, we're playing one Ronus just to soup up one big bad creature. Uh, and then we're playing three Bergy God of Storytelling, which is one of our main reasons, one of our main ways to storm off. Because if we have a Bard class out in play, 
All of our few legendaries are just netting us a red mana. Uh, then we're playing two Domri Anarch of Bolus. Uh, it's nice with the go wide board. This is a card you could probably cut, uh, but it's nice for the go wide board. So it busts, boosts, boosts our creatures plus one, plus O. Oh, and then it also gives us a red or green mana on its plus one activation. And the creature spells can't be counted this turn is relevant in some matchups. And that doesn't matter if you use that mana on those creatures you cast. Just creatures you control can't be counted this turn. Right. So great for the turns you're going to go off. And then of course, we're playing four copies of Xenagos the Reveler, which is our big bad. We're going to plus one. We're going to make a lot of mana. Um, and of course, we're playing three Mox Amber, again, out of the Lotus Petal. Uh, it's legendary, so we don't want four. It's kind of a lot, but, you know, we want to see them, so I like playing three. Uh, I'm being a little cheeky and playing a one of Mirror Box, uh, which just says legendary rule doesn't apply to us. And then uh, all of our legendary creatures get plus one, plus one. And then each non-token creature I control gets plus one, plus one for each other creature you control with the same name of that creature. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to... Hey, now our double legendaries don't matter, and they're getting bigger. And then, so of course, they we're playing four of the Nissa, which is the only one drop that matters this deck. Um, it's also a great extender uh, with our Bard class level five. We play free, we get a guy, and we get to keep going with the Bard class. And of course, four Bard class. Um, uh, let me think here. Well, so we're playing one. We're playing uh, Companion Gigantha. Yep. Uh, let me double check that I did not mess that up. Yes, we get to. I so, believe I looked at it. Yep. Yeah, so sometimes you know I can mess it up, but I uh, we are we are playing. We can legally play Gigantha. The mana base here, we are very color hungry. So I feel a little iffy playing some of these single color. So many single color sources. I believe we're on one, two, three. I think we're on six single color sources. Uh, but you'll kind of see why. So we're on four Stomping Ground, uh, four Crackdown Pathway, four Copperline Gorge, uh, three Rockfall Fail. Uh, we're on two layer of the Hydra, just the big mid-range beater with our extra mana from our Xenagos. Uh, we're on one dead of the Bugbear. And then um, one thing I like, we play so many legendaries that Sokinzon and Basaju are basically free. Yeah. Um, so we're playing two Basaju, one Sokinzon. Um, and then I don't, I didn't, I didn't really have time to put the board together, but I think uh, the boards are pretty straightforward. I think when you look at the, when you think about what this deck wants to do in a sideboard situation, I think we're going to board in some more mid-rangey threats that are also like legends as on their own right. So we're, I'm thinking like we board in some Miglazes, we board in some Thruns, and then we just have like the usual rending volleys and stuff like that kind yeah. of going. So um, this build, we're definitely all in on kind of a big combo kill versus we're just going to mid-range value out our opponents. Yeah, I think I see that by kind of dropping the one drops. But if you haven't played against this deck before, one of the things that kind of amazes you is like the deck maybe seems like it girdles for the first three turns. <laughs> and then you look up from your turn three and you're like, wait, when did you get 10 creatures on board? And it's like, well, this bard class makes all my spells free. Yeah. So kind of like, hey, once you play and activate that bard class, um, especially with Mox Amber or our Ruby as small accelerants, turn three or turn four, you you catch up real quick, and in fact, yeah. you're dead. There's a chance yeah, that that, that is that is that's like the real problem. That is that it just is like one turn too slow because you really need to be level three bard class to start popping off, which is a nine man investment at the end of the day. So for sure, uh, for sure, you you can definitely play your dorks and 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 hang out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, again, yeah. I think that you know your your combo kill, um, with the exception of you know Karn shenanigans. Um, and that deck loses to itself, uh, you know, sometimes as well. Yeah. Uh, the deck again, like I said, pretty, pretty good at doing its thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, man, a lot of fun, right? I mean, just yeah. tons of fun to play some bard class stuff. Like once you get the experience of free spells, you'd be like, is this what modern is like? You yeah, know, I'm playing modern you're, magic over here with all my you're, free you're, spells. You're free spelling, you're exiling cards, you're playing those cards from exile for free, you're exiling more cards. That's right. Uh, and the players just do not deck yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I like this because um, you know, we got some similar similar themes here in that, you know, your your creature deck um is is much stronger in the mid game, you mm-hmm. know? And uh you exile a lot of spells and then you cast those exiled spells. And and I just thought to myself, well, what a great way to make a deck. You know, if okay. I was open up a deck, you know, I would also I would think I would also like to uh, go ahead and, and exile some spells and then cast them from exile and maybe even maybe even get some one one flyers when I oh. in, when I cast those spells from exile. So um, my brew for today and gosh, gosh, darn, if there weren't many of them, I think that blue green uh, hardened scales is a deck now. I think that. Um, as Zeth was pointing out, I think that the um, oh gosh, what's the five man enchantment? I keep forgetting it now. Possibility storm. Uh, possibility storm. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a lot better with the adventures. There's a lot of decks that you can add a couple pieces to and just get a lot more consistent. Did that link for you? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Um, so this is our Pia deck, of course that we're that we're going. That's what I was referring to. That leans a lot more on adventures. So you do get. We're still playing eight um, exile some stuff. Okay. But we're cutting the um, the Shadow of the Scalds, which although it is a very, very powerful card, um, and it only gets you those four cards that one time. And the plus one, plus one, unless you're kind of playing a combo thing, um, it may not always get you through, right? Green's playing a lot of big, powerful creatures, a lot of big, sure. powerful things going on. Shieldreds, they've got Death Touch. You're not always guaranteed to get through. So mm-hmm. my version of the deck is going to leverage the adventures that we just picked up and some of the ones from the past. And of course, virtue of courage, one of our newest ways to kind of replace it under the skulls to, uh, to go a little bit deeper and to kind of, I think be a little more, I'm going to say consistent in the late game. Okay. With just how familiar to this. So we're going to start off here with four cheeky house mouse. Oh, is liking because I was only, only got to be on the second half of spoilers. So I don't know if this is in my top uh, five overall, but this isn't my top five from like the card spoiled after August 17th or whatever that's worth. Sure. Or it does a lot, right? It's a one minute, two, one. If you need to play it early and start beating down, you know, there are going to be some decks where that's going to be good enough, right? If you're playing against um, potentially like a Lotus field or another combo deck or whatever, you might just want to start beating down with this guy, right? Mm-hmm. But we're hoping to hold on to it till later with most of these adventure cards. So we're going to start there as our new card. We're going to bring back Monastery, Swiss Spear, and Soul Scar Mage because all of our adventures are instance or sorceries. So sure. those, you know, our prowess effects as of, as well as, of course, our exile spells um, are all interested in sorcery. So we're still going to do a lot with prowess here. We're still going to have a solid early game, right? Uh, Monastery, Swiss Spear, and then, of course, Soul Scar Mage. One of the things about these adventures, they all deal damage, um, except for our Cheeky House Mouse, which is going to let us slip through some damage, right? Cheeky House Mouse is there to kind of finish the game um, or start us off early. The rest of them are all going to be dealing minus one, minus one counter damage if we go to a creature with our soul uh, mage. I don't realize Cheeky House Mouse is also a Savannah Lions. Yeah, it's a Savannah Lions. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah, Savannah Lions with upside. That card used to be a rare. That's what I said when this card got spoiled. It was like, this card is a rare on one half, you know, in, yeah. in old magic. Uh, and the other thing it does is give plus one, plus one, and, and can't be blocked by three or greater. So um, obviously sick there. So then I picked up Heart Flame Duelist. Okay, it's a two mana three one on the creature side. This is instant and sorcery spells you control have lifelink. That's fine. You know, it's just a, it's a two one beater if we need it. Um, obviously, we'd rather be playing Peta. It's a three one. What's that? 
It's a three one. It's a three one. What did I say? Two one. Oh, it's a three. Yeah, it's a three one three one beater, um, which definitely is going to get down. Uh, but the adventure side is heartless slash three damage to any target targeted instant speed. So you know it's not the best rate, but it certainly can interact with our opponent and then let us cast our adventures later for hopefully our namesake card Pia Console of Revival to get those get those their uh, you know one one colorless stopter flyers right sure yeah. and then of course we got Bone Crusher Giant making a return this of course is probably some of the best of the adventures I really like the two mana for two damage and then a, a you know a three mana four three beater this is still probably the best one I think the other adventure cards are a little bit weaker so you don't necessarily have to take it this way but you gain a ton of synergy because we're gonna pick back up as one of our exile spells light up the stage. Light up the stage for one mana spectacle as our exile one. And the the problem we had before, the reason we cut this um, was because we just didn't have enough ways to activate it. We were trying to play some play with fire action, a couple other things, but it just wasn't enough. Now, with the amount of adventure spells we have that deal damage, I think this card's playable again. Um, and I think it's the preferred one to save us that one mana. So we're going to play the light up the stage. We're going to play Ren's Resolve. You can play your favorite one, but Ren's Resolve's cheaper as far as actual dollar values to play that. And then, of course, for removal spells, we're going to pick up four Chain of the Rocks. This is just really, really big to remove big, big, meaty creatures out of the way, um, get blockers out of the way, um, whatever you need to do. Again, you know, Pioneer is a format where, largely speaking, you win by attacking. One of the reasons I love Pioneer. And this is going to help you get rid of Shieldred's problem cards for you, big green creatures, things like that. Um, even just uh, little zero threes that add lands to play, but that are going to be annoying, you know, for your guys to get through, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. just sometimes be things you're trying to get rid of with this. And then our last card is Virtue of Courage. This is the new one. The two mana, two damage to any target. Can't beat that, right? It, it combos and synergizes really well with a lot of our deck, whether or not we need prowess stuff or, you know, activate light up the stage, something like that. But of course, the five mana side, the enchantment side is incredible. One of the strongest cards in the set. Whenever a source you control those non-cabinet damage to an opponent, exile that many cards on top of your library, pull this turn. All of a sudden now we don't mind paying three mana for three damage um, because we're going to get those cards back. Now, sure. again, it's only till the end of this turn, right? So, um, you know, you got to be having a lot of mana, but usually if you've had five mana, you've got enough to keep churning through. And you can you have more two mana deal two damage than, than the three mana damage one. So this card is just incredibly strong. Again, that's the adventure side. So you play these early and they just sit around waiting for you to cast them later. <laughs> you just always yeah. have this card. And when you do, if you've got a pee out, it still makes you one ones to gain advantage. So this is the ultimate hey, I'll take two mana for two damage, and then later on, um, I'll sit there and play these. And as far, I mean, and they trigger multiple times. So if you've got multiple of these out, and it was that degenerative a game, you get those triggers each time. So you'll be exiling four off your two damage spells and things like that. So obviously we've seen this deck have success, and I think this is kind of one of the next evolutions as far as we get some of that synergy back that we were missing before, where Light of the Sage didn't feel like it uh, melded well with the deck. Our Heart Flame Duelist gives our instant sorcery spells lifelink, so I think now, you know, where you might not have had as good of a matchup against some of the burn strategies, now yeah. I think you will with this card. Um, I think you'll you'll be able to do, you know, it has to be killed on site in addition to you having some one-minute spell. So a lot of just kind of convenient things with this deck that I, I think uh, make me really, really like this. And my top brew, my top mm. brew for Wildsville Drain. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's kick it over to some deck lists. I'm going to send you one real quick. This is for a patron who's not part of the Discord, so I'm going to send this one, and then we'll, we'll work our way through the Patreon. This first one is going to be Golgari Archivist from Dull Hypothesis. Uh, so to start off, we're going to play two Liliana of the Veil, uh, and then we're going to move into our four Elvish Archivists, the namesake of the deck, right? I would have one of more artifacts you control under the battlefield. Uh, put a two one-one counters on Elvish Archivist, 
Activates only once each turn, and then whenever one or more enchants enemies the battlefield in your control, draw a card that's really triggers only once each turn. So we get two Glissa Sunslayer. You like that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, two Gloom Shrieker. Four Frexian Flesh Gorger. Three Shields of the Apocalypse. Four Thoughtseize. One Abrupt Game. One Assassin's Trophy. Four Fatal Push. One Not Dead After All, a card I really like. Two Shields Edict. One Frexian Arena. Two Meat Hook Massacre. Two Witches Vanity. Heck yeah. Yeah, the only thing I'm not a big fan of this one is the is the one not dead after all. I feel like we'd want to play more of that if we were going to do mm-hmm. this effect, but I really like what we're doing, right? We're kind yeah. of mid-rangey, and we're um, we're using our Elvish Archivist to kind of you know draw some extra cards. Mm-hmm. Same thing with our um, Phyrexian Arena, but this Phyrexian Arena attacks, right? Yeah. That's what's pretty cool about it, so... Man, I, I like this. What's your? What do you think your slap rating is? Uh, so one thing I really like, real quick though, yeah. I do want to mention. I, I, I like Witch's Vanity here, yeah. giving us two triggers of that draw effect here because we're going to get one off the Vanity itself and then another one on Chapter Three. When we get the roll token. We get the food. Yeah. Um, there's well, a lot, of- right? The enchantment comes into play. Yeah. And then it gives us a food token. And artifacts during the battlefield pumps our archivist, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the roll token will give us uh, more cards. So yeah, which is why I'm almost just like, can we just can we cut Meat Hook and just play more of this guy? Like, I I I I'm not super slow on Meat Hook in this. Yeah, I think it's tough to say. I, I really think that it's not a bad meta meta game call to begin the mm-hmm. format because like who knows? Oh, yeah, you you, you drop like, against sack and then you just left. yeah, or like the Bunnicorn, right? Like Bunnicorn sure. with some of this stuff. If you wanted to go in on Bunnicorn, you're gonna have an eight eight or nine nine Bunnicorn real easily. Yeah, with these enchantment tokens going around. So you know when you look at if you're if you're spread out on tokens, Meat Hook Massacre wipes those and then finishes up the Bunnicorn. You know, yeah. I, I do like I do like tokens. Tokens tokens adventures like the two decks. I wish I had a little more time to have brewed up for this episode because I, yeah, I, I, I'm here with Bunnicorn and like the the Moon Cavalry guy uh, for like a token convoke deck for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm good to give this a rating here. What do you what do you want to do? What do you what do you got? Um, I'm gonna give this a um, a seven out of five for the okay. power and toughness on Phyrexian Flesh Gorger, a cool include and very very strong card, menace, life leaking, uh, warding, you know, artifact beast. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give this a kick Terra Sunder out of a non kick Terra Sunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You can't divide by zero, so it's the perfect That's rating. Right. All right. Uh, moving on, we got Teamer Adventures by Darth Rainbows. Yep. Uh, what do we got here? So we got three Baluna Grand Squall Seek Thrills, four Bone Crusher Giant, two Bramble Familiar. Uh, two Brazen Barber for Edgewell Innkeeper, two Frolicking Familiar, uh, two Love Struck Beast, four Questing Druid, one Sentinel of Lost Lore, one Roast, three Strangle, uh, two Braid, two Stubborn Denial, and four Lucky Clover. Hey, I found the adventure deck I wanted to brew up. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Questing Druid's a heck of a card when you staple it to an adventure that gets you more cards, right? Mm-hmm. And um, this looks like the Terror of Standards Past. Um, yeah. I guess you really do want to be teamer. See, I want to be Naya instead of teamer. Um, just because I, I think that the main thing we're getting, I know, is Brazen Borrow, and that's cute. But oh, I think we're getting we're getting Baluna. Baluna is so good. I'm glad you like Baluna. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 a cost reduction. I hear you. It's it's a cost reduction. You know, so that's nothing to sneeze at. But I think the the red white adventures that I've seen, or just white adventures I've seen, are are intriguing to me. You know, sure, sure, but. Sure, sure, sure. But I hear right. you. 
what do you want? What do you want to give this? Um, I will give this um, because this is certainly going to strangle your opponents when you play this deck. I'm going to give this a two out of the three damage that strangle deals. Okay. As we strangle our opponents to death. All right. I'm going to go ahead and give this a uh, four questing druid triggers out of six. I love it. I love All it. All right. All right. What do, what do we got next? Um, this is Bridger's deck, right? Oh, no, no. Uh, uh, Kevman? Kevman. How many yeah. does Kevman have? Yeah. Just the one? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Moonshaker Tokens. Okay, you want me to take this one? Yeah, go for it. Moonshaker Tokens by our you know our all-star favorite Kevman. Um, we're going to start off with two Moonshaker Calvary. This is the new one. It's basically the new uh, 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 Crater Hoof. guy. Crater Hoof Behemoth. Thank you. Um, it's got flying. It's a 6-6. Six, six, and when it enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain flying and plus X plus X, where X is the number of creatures you control. The mana cost is 8. I don't imagine we're going to be casting this card, but let's find out what Kevman's got in store for us. We've got four Satyrs Cunning, four Forbidden Friendship, four Raise the Alarm, two Volcanic Spire, and four Transmogrify. There it is. We are cheating this Moonshake Recovery into play with some sick, sick token action. Obviously, all the cards I just mentioned, except for Volcanic Spite and Transmogrify, make tokens. We've got some enchantments. Legion's Landing, that'll make a token when it comes into play. Mm-hmm. Skrull's Hive, that'll make you a token every single turn. Fable of the Mirror Breaker, that's two bears and a loot. We all know that at this point. Four Wedding Announcement. That's going to make you some counters at first and then buff all your duders up in case you can't get off your transmogrify. Then we're just going to, uh, we're going to kill them. And then we've got a virtue of loyalty as a, uh, a one of just, I'm sure just keep our mind on that card is what that's there for, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then 23 lands, you know, we, um, I don't see any artifact in, in this deck, right? No. So then we could play, if you want to be more consistent, you could either play some, some number of Lucas or some number of creativities. Sure. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I don't see just the one creature and some artifacts. If you wanted to go off even harder, right, you could trade two tokens for some Moonshake Cavalries, and then um, well, then I could haste. You, know, you got you have some big boys there, just for a little more consistency on the, mm-hmm. consistency on the Transmogrify. Uh, That's a card I also like to see us play a little bit of, since we you know we we can kind of try to go into the late game a little bit. Let's play some Harlock reinforcements. Let's 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 help buff these tokens up when we can't hit our Moonshake Cavalry. Okay. Yeah. Something that'll, like, give us, that'll give us two tokens. It gives our gives our creatures plus one plus one in haste until end of turn. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you with that. Or uh, or even just a um, whatever that card was that makes a couple two twos and then bumps our creatures because we've got a decent backup plan almost. If we had a little yeah. bit of ways to interact with our with our tokens a little bit more, we would have some ways to uh, to just win with token aggro possibly. You know, mm-hmm. almost like yeah. a, it's a little bit worse if a Boros convoke. But uh, what is the one that makes two twos? Better backup, better backup there. So yeah, I'm blanking on the one that makes two twos. I think you're right, though. I'm forgetting what that card is called. But all right, slap ratings. Slap rating. Um, I will give this. Well, I mean, I gotta take the easy one, right? Um, well, I'll make it a loser. I'll give this a two out of the three horses that I see in the art for Moonshakel Cavalry in honor of DFW Horse Guy. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's good. I'm gonna go ahead and give this a uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, Skrull of Hive Mites out of 12. Okay, <laughs> sounds, sounds there, good. There we got 10 mites in the art there. Yeah, uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, we can't right. say the name of Bridger's deck, but but it's a rock deck, right? Yeah. All right, uh, three Misery Shadow, four Mosswood Dread Knight. Oh, man, the showcase art on this card is sick. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty uh, Two Graveyard Trespasser, four Jewel Thief, three Shields of the Apocalypse, three Ren and Realm Breaker, four Fatal Push, Four Thoughts, he's one about the K2 Assassin's Trophy, two go for the throat, three Reckoner Bank Buster. What do you got? 
Yeah, so thing one, um, Jewel Thief, very, very strong card. I, I chastise Bridger on this. Are we, you, turn, you turn around? You coming around on Jewel Thief? Mm, I just don't think Jewel Thief's a bad card. I, I don't. Yeah. I never just thought it was like a bad card. I just really, really like Glissa. But there, Glissa has some flaws. I just think that the upside's too insane to pass up that card. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best card um, a, a lot of the time when you connect. And again, there's a couple times where it sucks, and, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but Jewel Thief does a lot for you, right? It does ramp you, which is pretty crazy for a 3 through Vigilance and Trample. Um, and it doesn't tap. It also gets, uh, you know, b- blocked by, you know, it doesn't get got by cat, right? Which is a very popular mm-hmm. thing. So as long as sack is in the format, I do see it. Um, but uh, the big thing here is obviously Mosswood Dread Knight. That's the main thing here. Uh, you know, we didn't really change much else, to be honest with you. But yeah. uh, Bridger is confident, and and I might be as well. That this card is the two drop that we were missing from Rock that's going to make this compete with the vampire that uh, Rakdos gets, that sacks for blood. Yeah. So this is the card that hopefully is bringing back the power of rock. So um, pretty sick dick there. You have any you have any thoughts yeah, on this? It's mostly rock with. Uh, I, I, I'm happy to be wrong on this, but I'm not so sure about Ren and Realm Breaker. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I I almost just want to up our graveyard trespasser count and then find some other slots to play. I just I just like you you have to get back something that you mill. It's like one of the ones that just like you can just get anything back right and just mills. The cards, um, I mean, you're probably going to mill a creature or a land for sure, but I feel like we're playing a lot of spell. I, I don't know. I just, I'm yeah, not I think, the I most sold on like, How mid-rangey are we? Like, are we, are we, because this is a mid-range thing that doesn't, that doesn't present enough of a clock except against control and doesn't answer enough problems. I really like Ren and Rellbreaker. I talked about this on Bridger's podcast um, and, and had a ton of fun. Um the if you haven't go one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done it was it was a ton of fun um, talking with those guys but Brennan Runbreaker I still while well, I'm higher on it now thanks to the convincing of of Bridger um, I still think it's a card I'd probably rather have on the sideboard it's insane mm-hmm. against control it resolved against control they fully convinced me they just don't have an answer to it but against the rest of the field um, again I would just rather see more two drops three drops one drop something you know yeah yep I agree with that all right slap ratings. Yeah, um, I will give this a um, five out of the seven loyalty it takes to ultimate Ren and Realm Breaker. Oh, all right. I take it? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna take a four out of five Shieldred Power Toughness. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Classic, yeah. classic, classic, classic. Uh, all right, let's go on to uh, I'm out. Who says Woe makes Bard class work? Oh, now. Mm, let's see uh, Bard class here. So we have one Agatha of the Vi- so we're on four Mox Amber. One Agatha of the Vile Cauldron, three Galia of the Endless Stance, four Hajar Loyal Bodyguard, two Clothes Guy Destinies, one Miglaw's Mage Crusher, four Ruby, three Samut, two Targnar, three Zergo. Uh, they are on four Bard Class, four Othanissa, three Dominic Anarch of Bola. So this is kind of like what I was talking about, where I, I said like there are mid-range rules of the deck as well. And this is kind of like I think what my sideboard kind of turns the deck into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if, if we're gonna bard class. Let's effing bard class, right? right? And let's just let's just storm off and pop off. But I do I I'm always a fan of this. We're just gonna play bard class as extra value engine. If we can sneak in that cheeky level three, then we're gonna do it. Um this is definitely another way to take it. You know, I think Miglaw's strong card, Clothis, great card. I play that in Bard class a lot. Um this is just again another way of taking the Bard class deck. And I just think Agatha and Ruby are just such godsends for the deck list. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think that I really like Samet. I think Samet's its own deck that you could consider um, mm-hmm. 
potential for the thing, but and it's fine here. But I don't think we have quite enough synergies. Um, also, would like to see more Miglaws if we were going to be, uh, uh, you know, like I said, the less combo focused version of this deck, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's those were kind of my thoughts on it. Is like we're we're a little bit spread out on like maybe our backup plan slightly better, but um, then I would like to see more of these good mid range cards mm-hmm. if that's the case. You know, if we're yeah. if we're angling more for that, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, slap ratings. Um, I will give this a four of the five mana you can tap to add with the Giganta on the sideboard. Oh, all right. You know what? It's Bard class, baby. Yep. I'm going to give it that five out of five. Yeah. Oil counters. Perfect rating. I love it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Amal GG sends us Teamer Prowess. Let's Here see we it. go. Another All right, deck. four Elusive right. Otter, four Monastery Swiss Spear, three Balmor Battle Mage, mm-hmm. four Questing Druid, four Frolicking Familiar, four Kindled Heroism. What is this one? Yeah, I saw this one. Targets plus one plus O oh, gains for a second. Scry one. Okay. All right. Uh, four Monsters Rays. Ricky and I absolutely love this card. Yeah. This card is what a what a what a beast of a card. Uh, you know? Four Opt. Four Royal Treatment. Four Torch the Tower. Uh, then we got some lands. What do you what do you think here? Wouldn't hate seeing one um, method of token making. Okay. As a sorcerer, because like those obviously interact really well with our prowess creatures. Um, so wouldn't hate seeing kind of one version of that. Otherwise, obviously, really, really like it, right? We've got a we've got elusive otter as like a multi way to you know trigger some of that prowess, and I'm sure we're relying heavily on uh, on that. And I really like Balmore, right, as like a way to pump our team. Mm-hmm. I just would rather go if we're doing Balmore. I'd like to have a way to go a little bit wider. Sure. Well, if we have Balmore, right? Mm-hmm. What if we because we ha- we have a pretty good split here on humans to non humans. What sure. if we played a little bit of Forbidden Friendship plus um, read the mind uh, Kindred like the Knowledge card right that gets yeah. too cheaper and we have yeah the divination like, right? draw two cards right yeah yeah I see what you're saying yeah I think that I think that could be really good you know um, I'm not the biggest fan of Torch the Tower mm-hmm. it's okay but um, I think that's the first card that I would want to cut um, I would also well, I guess opt versus, you know, considered as a super matter. Um, so, yeah, Twitch Tower is probably my first cut. Um, but then, you know, maybe, well, no, I'm drawing a script pretty sick. Cantrip seemed pretty good. Maybe one of the, like, a Kindled Heroes. Like, that card's fine. It does scry us. But something like that to either, like, have a token maker and then a way sure. to draw some more cards, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Something like that. So I, I don't mind having, I don't mind having multiple ways to do that, you know, mm-hmm. but like yeah. one way to go. We don't have to go too big on the going wide, but a little bit. All right. You ready for some slap ratings? Yeah. What you got? Um, I would like to give this, you know, I don't know something with this otter, man. This otter is so adorable. It, it's on a little broom. It's got a little witch's hat. I'm going to give it three out of four paws on that otter. How about that? Ooh, that's good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, three out of four Balmore triggers. There you go. Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, what do you got next? We got Tyvar Sack. Um, let me see if I actually have this pulled up by Hipster Sar. Yeah, let me see if this uh, comes up here. It's not one I had up. So let's go over uh, Tyvar Sack real quick. Planeswalkers, of course, we've got Tyvar. We're rocking them with the Elf Boys here. We got Elvish Mystic. We got Land of War Elves as four ofs. We've got Lord Skitter's Butcher. Um, enters the battlefield. Choose one. Create a one-one that can't block, or we can sack a creature if we do Scry two, then draw. That's pretty hot. Or creatures I control gain menace till the end of the turn. Yeah, you I don't want to. I don't want to get in the way of that mouse. 
I haven't read this card. Right. Yeah, this, that mouse. This mouse has a this this mouse has a has a hatchet. It's got a it's got a yeah. butcher knife. You know, it's uh, it's butcher knife. So Lord Skitter, yeah, three minute two three. That card's pretty hot. Um, then we've got four Moss Wood Dread Knight, of course. One Plague Crafter, four Priest of the Forgotten Gods, two Vran, the Executioner Thane, four Woe Strider, and four Zula Park Cutthroat, as well as four Collected Company. Mm-hmm. Um, this card's pretty good. I mean, giving your team Menace is pretty insane. Um, you don't have to sack anything for that. If you do sack, then you scry to and draw a card. This card's pretty nuts, actually. I haven't yeah. this card before. Um, yeah, I like this deck a lot. I, I think our collected companies are underplayed in Pioneer, um, and it's usually due to the lack of powerful three drops, and that is one powerful rat boy, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's cooking my meal, I'm not sure I want to know what's in it, you know? Yeah, and, and I love the use of Mossworld Dread Knight here. It's just a recurring value engine yeah. that we're sacking off to all of our different effects, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We don't mind sacking it because we're, we're casting it to draw some cards. And then, of course, Tyvar has just been a very powerful in any kind of like, hey, I want to activate abilities in green-black. You just can't argue with that card being there, you know? Yeah. It just gives all, gives our activated abilities. Hey, sometimes we have a ton of activated abilities. So, you know, eh. But, hey, sub some elves, get some of our important pieces back if they go to kill them. So it is a recursion engine, right? Yeah. Um. Okay, you go first in the slap rating this time. Ooh, I'm just gonna give this a two out of three. Lord Skitter's Butcher Power and Toughness. Ah, oh, yeah, you took you took the easy one. I'm gonna give this a um. Let's see here, five, ten. I'm gonna give this an eight out of ten for the amount of tree looking thingies on the uh the spalders of Mosswood Dread Knight, which I think means shoulder armor, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay, all right. It could be a brand of uh of athletic balls, you know, athleisure wear. Yeah, I was thinking of Spalding. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Our, uh, yeah, Wilson. Uh, our, our next one is by Spinifex, which is Doom Pact. All Doom right. Pact. A, little bit yeah. of, a little bit of Orzov here. Doom Foretold. So we got two The Wandering Emperor, two Obzat Ghost Counts. Already sold. Already, already. already in on Obzat, right? Uh, two Shields of the Apocalypse. Three Beseech the Mirror. Four da- two Dance the Mance. Uh, two copies of Extinction Event. Two Ride of Oblivion. Four Thoughtseize. Four Fatal Push. Uh, then we got three demonic pact, four doom foretold, four hope of vigil, three oath of Kaya, one omen of the sun, three treasures blessing, two trial of ambition, and four wedding announcements. Yeah, um, I I love this deck. Um, the only thing I think we might be missing is a a search target for beseech that like comes into play and exile something like sure what about a um. Like what about any of the any like any of the O rings, like any veil rings, right? Um, yeah, because right of oblivion's a sorcery is like my is my problem, you know. Yeah, like, I want to see an enchantment that we could go get. Now we could go get right of oblivion and, and cast it. It's fine, um, but it'd be cool if that if the spell that we cast like added to our devotion or added to our enchantment, just as like a one of, right? Um, sure. We've got a trial of ambition, so we can make them sack. But I'd like to see like a one of include there as like a tutor target if we needed something like that. You know, when these kind of toolbox decks. You really want to have that many, you know, like a lot of options, you know? Um, otherwise, I think this deck's nuts. I think this deck's insanely good. Um, I, I would not have thought to have built this deck. This is why I love having the Patriots submit things. Obviously, um, you know, SpinFX slash Austin is, uh, you know, a, a player that I play with now um, in, in Austin. And this is this is pretty sweet. I love this idea. I hope that he brings it to locals and, and we battle it because this, this deck looks sick. Yeah. All right. Uh, slap ratings. I'm going to give this a... Two target opponent loses life, and two out of two life we gain. This deck is great. I, I'm in. I am sold. 
You got Obsidat here. I, yeah. Look, I, I, I got no complaints. You got Dance of the Mance for when we're Dance sacking the off our stuff. Oh, right? my. That, that may look. be a little bit greedy. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, and we're, of course, we're a Yorian deck also, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be doing all these things multiple times. Of course, is is look, the kids, kids these days, these Zoomers, these uh, these arena only players, they know now, but they don't know about Obsidat, right? They don't like, know. Uh, they never heard yeah. of Obsidat. They don't even yeah, know right. people are on that Ghost Council. You know that's what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, they, they well, they're all dead. Kaya killed them all. They're all. That's true. true. They they none of them exist anymore. I'm gonna give this a five out of the six or more you need for those permanents to become four fours on Dance of the Mance. All right, that's one name to say. All right, moving on, we got Garrett, Lord of Chaos, who sends us not your daddy's rack sack. All right, uh, two Spiteful Hex Mage, four Warehouse Tabby. Oh, that cat better watch out. Mm-hmm. Uh, four Charming Scoundrel, four Wicked Visitor, uh, two Realm Scorcher Hellkite, two Stone Sweater Bolt, three Torch the Tower, three Candy Grapple, three Witch's Mark, two Rowan's Grim Search, four Hopeless Nightmare, one Bitter Union, three Lord Skitter's Blessing. Um, we're just playing all new cards. Yeah. So, so props, <laughs> you know, sweet. You know, you, you, you put all the new cards you could in here and that's pretty cool. Um, there's definitely some, you know, some sweet ones we get to bargain cause we want to sack some things, right? Yeah. So, we're going to bargle. Yeah. And we're going to get hopefully most of that mana back as we bargain. So I um, would have liked to see that sweet three, two rat that I just saw that card's I'm in love with that card now, you know? Yeah. I think mean, that card's pretty sweet, but other than that, I, I like what we're doing here. Right. Yeah, I'm we in. Don't have any cats or ovens? We're just playing standard here. What are we doing? Oh, we got cats. We got we got warehouse tabby. We don't have, we don't. Have, it's not the right cat. Well, it's a cat though. Yeah, we don't have any ovens. Put that cat in. You know. Okay. And all right. All right. Climbs. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. What do like. you got for us? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this the uh, the three out of the four mana we're gonna get back with uh, Realm Scorcher Hellkite. This is a really really cool idea. I like the amount of new cards Ooh, you put in this deck. Right. Great job. All right, uh, I'm going to give this a three wicked rolls out of the four we could have gotten from a place that is Skitter, Lord Skidder's Blessing. Sure, fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, what do you got for us next? We got Blast Mutt Blast is the, is the next deck, I believe, by Odin's. Does that sound right? Yeah, that is correct. Okay, let's jump into it. We're companioning the Gigantha. We've got four Monastery Swift Spear, four Soul Scar Mage, four Scrapwork Mutt, four Sir Ginger, the Meal Ender, for play with fire, for torch the tower, for shrapnel blast, blast experimental synthesizer, for Mishra's research desk, yeah, and then for Kumano faces uh, Kakuzan. So, you know, boom, we're gonna play these artifacts. We're going to sack them to kill you, and then we're gonna bring them back. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the idea. So, pretty straightforward beatdown deck using some sweet cards and some cards that don't see enough play, aka Mishra's research desk. Right. Oh, no, a.k.a. Shrapnel Blast, five damage straight to the dome. Yeah, we're just we're just killing. We're just killing people who are messing around. That's what we're doing. You know, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. All right. I got to rate first because I got to do it. I'm giving this four out of the five damage. We're dealing with Shrapnel Blast. This deck. No, is- I took it. Shrapnel Blast. Is uh, I'm going to give this um, three Urbrask Forge tokens out of four. Nice. I love it. I love it. All right, uh, I'm all submitted one, so we got a lot. So we're gonna, uh, anyone who submitted double, we appreciate the double submissions, uh, but we do got a lot to kind of keep going through here. So uh, Amal did put a second deck in, so go go check out Amal's. These are all in the Slab channel on the Patreon. Uh, our next one is Casey with Lorehole Creativity. All right, uh, this is three Moonshake Cavalry, four Forbidden Friendship, four Double Creativity, two Transmogrify, four Big Score, four Fable, four Legion's Landing, 
four birth abilities, three, or sorry, four three blind mice, four wedding announcement. Yeah, this is uh this is pretty cute. Um you know, a deck kind of similar to what we what we saw. Really like it, except you know we we have the. This is what I kind of wanted, though, right? This is the multiple ways to make those tokens. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we need big score here. I think we could just go. I think we kind of want to mash these two decks together, right? Okay. I want I want more cheap token makers. I just want a couple more creativity so that we more consistently find it. You'd be surprised what adding like copies five and six of a card does for your consistency in finding it. So sure. like just if you wanted to play four transmogrify and um, two creativities, mm-hmm. you're going to be a lot more consistent with finding the card that you need. Given that we don't draw a ton of cards, obviously Fable the Mirror Breaker helps a lot, but we're really onto something here, right? Moonshaker is a very, very strong card as we show, but the thing is we have to be playing a lot of token makers before we get there because this card needs to kind of be pumping our guys for like plus five, plus five or more, mm-hmm. right? Um, they do gain flying, so they're hard to block. But a lot of random creatures have reach, as you'll find out. Sure. So if you're kind of if you're kind of messing around for a few turns until you can hard cast this creativity or transmogrify, your mono green opponent could be mono greening all over your face, yeah. and they might have plenty of blockers. So we can get around that if we have a ton of of token makers. But I'd like to see again sagas that make more than just one creature i i think three blind mice here is such a slam dunk right because sure. it, you, you get to copy any token yep. that you control and i mean that just means we can copy our our fable shamans and stuff like that like yeah yeah and and, and then again that fourth chapter also pumping our board also giving them vigilance yeah. right that means that we don't have to kill the same turn we get to do with the moonshaker cavalry because we will have that vigilance back but our board's also bigger one bigger when they swing so yeah, fair enough. Good, good call on that. I do think that's a, a good. I didn't realize that has four chapters. Yeah. So your payoffs a little bit uh, later, but again, it does give you a lot of creature tokens to either survive with or just make sure you're killing. You know. Mm-hmm. So, all right, slap rating. Uh, I'm gonna say three out of four chapters on three blind mice. You got this. Uh, I want. I want to give this a five out of the six possible mana we can spend on indomitable creativity and find targets. Okay, good one, good one, good one. All right, uh, Lemon Lyman sends in the Cooler Dredgeless deck. So you get four Fairy Dream, three Forcer Supplier, four Cruel Salmonophage, four Dark Amoeba, four Picklock Prankster, four Scrappy Scrounger, two Egon God of Death, four Priced Amalgam, three Haunted Dead, two Tasker of the Golden Fang, four Creeping Chill. Where's our Where's our sideboard uh, Umori? Yeah, where where's our companion Umori? Uh we can't play because we got creeping chill. Oh, we're creeping chill. Okay, yeah, we're creeping yeah, yeah. people. All right, sure enough. I mean at that point, is it worth it? We probably we could just we could just do more people, you know? It, it is cooler though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, really sweet. I mean, obviously I think that the you know the Somnophage has gotten a lot of talk about this mill strategy, mm-hmm. and deservedly so, right? Yeah. This, this is pretty powerful. Milling four is is a good rate. That's a that's where you want to be. Three is really, really strong. So um, you know, you're going to have a lot of cards, although you're getting some of them back. So you're some the phage, uh, it may be the best, but it's also for your opponent's yard. So if we do any attacking or blocking or incidental milling of them, or they mill themselves, whatever you get, you get to be real, real big with this. For sure. Page. So yeah, I think it's the only mill deck that we see in the lineup. So, um, I think so. yeah, definitely. I am, uh, definitely sold, sold here for sure. Uh, all right. What do you got slap ratings? Um, I'm going to give this. Um, just in the in the name of Ricky, you know, okay, I will give this a uh, a five out of the five that we can delve with Tassiger, you know. Okay, uh, I'm going to give this a also in the 
in the spirit of Ricky. I'm going to give this a yes to the question, does the island resolve? <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> that, was a, uh, that was a good one. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, la- ladies and gentlemen, the uh, clear, clear the alley. All right. Roll out the red carpet. The Jund Possibility Storm. It has shown up by none other than the Possibility Storm Maestro themselves. Zeth is going off and giving us a preview of what's to come for the people. Uh, We can just give a slap rating now if you wanted, but let's go over the deck real quick. You know, we've got 23 creatures, one Stone Cold Serpent. We're going to cast that for free um, in the middle of our combo such that we can swap it with the Borborygmos Enraged. When our possibility storm happens, get a Borborygmos Enrage, and then because we've drawn all our entire deck, throw lands at our opponent. So that's just what that card's doing here. Otherwise, we've got some edge wall innkeepers here. Uh, a two of, two Elvish Mystic, two Land War Elves, four Mosswood Dread Knight. Here's a crucial sorcery adventure that we'll need to trigger mm-hmm. our inadvertent combo here. Um, we've got four Bonecrusher Giant, four Lovestruck Beast, one Murderous Rider, two Decadent Dragon. Also, we're casting this because it's got a... Um, it's got an adventure, right? And then our yeah. Bobo Rigmust Enrage, which is which is our combo. Four Fable the Mirror Breaker, because gosh, isn't that a powerful card? You know? Yeah. Um, four Possibility Storm, and then two Virtue of Persistence. Um, again, it has a sorcery uh, adventure. Adventure, yeah. The instant, because the only instant and or we only have one instant and one sorcery. The first instant we have is Shared Summons. Search your library for up to two creature cards, different names, reveal them, put them into your hand, and then shelf your library. Um, again, that'll help us get our combo going. And then, of course, enter the infinite, which is the card that because it's a sorcery, when we cast one of our adventures with possibility mm-hmm. storm, we will flip our deck, find the enter the infinite, draws our deck, um, put a uh, enraged back, uh, cast a stone coil serpent, get the enraged off the second trigger of possibility storm and then kill our opponent. And then two lucky clover. Yeah. To finish it off here because all of our stuff is ventures, right? Mm-hmm. Double adventures, which is cute. All right, I have no notes on this deck. Yeah. There's nobody seven, rather than Zeth who I will trust to start with this version of the deck, right? Seven out of six, Borberg with some rage, power, and toughness. Yeah, I'm going to give this like 25 out of the 25 damage. Wait, 21. Of the, I know that 21 is divisible by three, so let me stop yeah. there while I'm ahead. 21 out of the 21 damage we're going to deal to our opponents with lands discarding, okay? Okay, all right. All right, sounds good. Uh, let's go with cool guy Nate, who has the daily double. Mm-hmm. How much you want to wager on this? <laughs> All of it. All of it? All right. All uh, four Sprite Dragon, four Frolicking Familiar, two Crackling Drake, two two he- four Two-Headed Hunter. It's too uh, hard to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> four Consider, four Fiery Impulse, four Off, three Play with Fire, four Sleight of Hand, two Slip Out the Back, three Twin Inferno, two Quick Study. Quick Study. Um... I'm going to give this a, I'm just ready. Yeah. I have no notes. We're playing twin Inferno, right? Insanely mm-hmm. good card. We're, we're playing, uh, you know, give our creatures double strike. Yeah. So we're killing them. Um, we could probably play some, some, some different creatures and get there. Um, I like crackling Drake. There's a three mana Drake you could play as well. So I, I do think that there's maybe something we could be doing here. Um, frolicking familiar, is a good card. I'm not sure that this is the deck for it because I don't think we're going to be able to cast that many cards in a turn given that our twin Inferno type spells cost two. Yeah. So I really think you want cards that like are building advantage 
or just get really big off the game, the cards you played earlier in the game, aka Crackling Drake. Crackling Drake is the exact type of card we want here. Frolicking Familiar, eh. Also, that's not a spell that goes to the yard um, in case we want to do anything with that, right? Um, it's, yeah. Uh, so if we're with Crackling Drake, um, I guess it's a card you own in exile, so maybe it does count, you know? Yeah. But I will give this deck a 10 out of the, uh, uh, you know, when we're, when we're double striking our two headed hunter. Sure. A 10 out of 10 damage, we're going to deal with our two headed hunter here. Oh, all right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this a two slip out the backs out of three. There you go. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right. right. Uh, uh, but, 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 Nick, uh, no, Nick Gertler sends in lose the game tribal. All right. Hold on. I got to scroll down. Scroll up. Oh, it's what it's like the third from the bottom of the very end of the page. Okay. There it is. Yep. All right. Uh, this is so three archfeet of the dross four three thought seize, four sensor, three disallow four ice out four litho form engine four demonic pack three, which is mastery two, nine lives four virtue of knowledge. time. So what do we got here? So we get two of her and end of the battlefield cost ability trigger you control that ability triggers initial time. So I mean, we're just figuring out ways to kill our opponent, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I mean the big thing is uh with Lich's Mastery out, we can't lose the game as well. So um we're not gonna take damage from nine lives, and that we're not gonna lose to nine lives getting a million counters, and we're also not gonna lose by beating our opponent with this arching the draws after we remove all the counters. Heck yeah. So we're just uh, we're just playing all the cards that would make us lose the game and then not losing the game. Yes. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, enter permanent entering the battlefield is um, I don't know what that does for us. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I mean, mainly we get to copy triggers, right? Like we get uh-huh. to copy this like a demonic pack trigger and things like that. I think it's only a permanent entering the battlefield, though. Uh, no, the in, the adventure side. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. The adventure side, yeah, we'll just copy you. Sure, sure, we're copying it that way. Yeah, yeah. why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. this is, a, this is a, a fun little thing here. Um, it seems pretty rage-inducing for <laughs> for for the thing, but I, I like that we're dirtling around, right? Um, yeah. I like the spirit here, you know? Um, we're not playing a ton of new cards. We're mostly, uh, you know, just going off our, our double thing there. So we'd like to see a little more synergy there for like a fun submission uh, deck. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But uh, overall, like that we're abusing cards that don't typically see play, right? This is an off the beaten path idea, and this is really cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that we've like made Platinum Angel as annoying as possible. Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> we, we sure have. We sure have. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you got for us here? Okay. I will give this a three out of the four abilities on Demonic Pact. Well, I'm going to give this a three out of four Archfiend of the Dross Oil Counters. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, and our last deck list from Being Saki, Mono Blackburn. Again, sorry to everyone who submitted double. Um, we got way more submissions than we usually expected to see, so um, that we usually get. So I, unfortunately, we don't have time to, again, get through all of the double submissions. We're racing through uh, these, you can tell. Yeah. So, uh, so we got four Vito Thorn of Dusk Rose, four Gaunty's Machinations, four Hopeless Nightmare, Four March of Wretched Sorrow, four Akiba Reckoner Raid, four Sign of Bloods, four Sovereign's Bite, four Sword Point Diplomacy, four Zoth Consumption, three Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, this is a Blackburn deck. Yeah. Uh, we are dealing damage to our opponent, we're draining life, and then Vito doubles that life drain. So, uh, yeah, this is fun. Yeah, 
I would um I like the veto thing. I would have liked to see like maybe some ways to bring some of these cards back. Um, given that we have a lot of permanents that are dealing our opponent's damage. Sure. That's the one thing that I would kind of comment on is it would be cool if we had some more ways to uh bring some of those back. Yeah, but I mean, like, how many ways do we have to buy back enchantments in black? It, it's it would it probably wouldn't be a black thing. Sure. Yeah, we, we'd have to dip into other colors and things like that. So for That's a sure. really cool budget deck, right? Yeah, I think we did something pretty nifty here. You know, we're not playing Shieldreds, which we could easily play. For example, if we wanted to, you know, get them with our sign in blood, right? We mm-hmm. could be playing Shieldred to make them lose uh, six life. You know. Sure. Yeah. So that, that'd be a cool way to do that if we wanted to, you know, throw some children in there. But obviously we're trying to be a little more budget. So cool idea. Cool idea. Yeah, I like it. Uh, what do you got? Um, I'm going to give this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, I will give this a seven out of the nine eyes that I see on Hopeless Nightmare uh, on first glance. Oh, uh, I'm going to give this a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I'm going to give this a 11 out of 14. I, I mean, I could just be actually miscounting this. Whole Who cares? Thing. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell how many purple orbs are on March Retrosara. Yeah, me neither. I, I figured you were going right there. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. All right. Uh, well, again, thank you, everyone, for all those submissions. Again, for everyone that doubled up, uh, generally we would have time, but we've got a lot of new people submitting this time around. So hey, We can do more. Uh, That's more content. If you all feel about mine, yeah. we can do that on, in future weeks. We'll go over more uh, more of them. It sounds like this has been a result. Yeah. And it seems like when people have more decks they want to submit. So we'll just have to do another uh, Does It Slap again soon. Let's send it on now to the, inf- <laughs> the interview uh, with Joaquin Montes real quick. All right, what is going on, everyone? I am here with Joaquin, who, of course, won the recent The Gathering Place 5K in Pioneer with Rakdos Sack. So I want to say thank you for joining me for this interview. Uh, I know we've talked, but we're not quite sure if this is going to be in one of the episodes upcoming or its own thing, but this will gather the people, and I'm sure everyone wants to hear someone with a lot of success and good experience with Rakdos Sack talk about the deck. So I am, I am very glad you reached out to us, and I'm happy to have you on. Rockman, I appreciate you having me on. Um... Man, right as you were doing the introduction, <laughs> I, <clears throat> I caught something in my throat. But uh, no, yeah, I appreciate uh, you know coming on the podcast. Um, I think finding Rakdos Sack as an archetype has been a turning point for me with Pioneer. Um, previously, I started the season with Grease Fang after listening to Nathan Stoyer um, and Cody DeBose, I think his name is, talk mm-hmm. about talk about the the archetypes and all the decks. Um, and I think I just found a new level of, um, I don't know, um, excitement for the for the sure. um, format, as well as a higher ceiling, I think, with the deck, which is something I want to get into today. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's really interesting you mentioned starting starting off with Grease Fang, because I feel like this season, especially heading into the RCs, there was a lot of talk about Grease Fang kind of being one of those decks, and then it looked like, you know, Mono Green kind of came out and just stuffed the deck. And so we're, we're, it feels like we're seeing a lot of decks kind of – really the RC season was a tale of the decks that we thought succeeding did not succeed. And then we kind of had a whole new meta coming out of these built around Rakdos Sack and Monogreen Devotion now. Um, so I guess, you know, let's uh, – since we're already kind of doing that, let's talk about that deck selection process. And then we'll kind of work your way to your build and talk about the event as a whole. So let's talk about that, that transition, what caused you to transition – from Grease Fang, whether you had stops in between into ending up now with Rakdos Sacrifice. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, 
one of the things the the key deciding factor I think for picking Greasefang to begin with uh, the the Pioneer RCQ season and really it was my first time playing Pioneer um, this season um, was Nathan Stoyer kind of talking about the format being really play draw dependent in some mm-hmm. ways um, and one of the things he mentioned you know he said I'm I'm kind of biased I would personally play Lotus Field because I have experience with it you know sure. I, I have results with it. Uh, but if I wasn't playing Lotus Field, I would likely play Greasefang. Part of the part of the explanation there, I think, is you know the the play draw mechanism. If you're on the play, a lot of times you're just going to get a turn three win mm-hmm. um, because of because of the the way the uh, the deck works. You know, you get to put in an early Parhelion in the graveyard and turn three Greasefang, uh, backed up by a turn one Thoughtseize, which I think is a, a really strong opener. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, having come from modern and playing Thoughtseize deck, you know, I, I played a lot of Grix's Dead Shadow and modern, sure. which is a, a Thoughtseize deck. Um, that was something that really appealed to me. Uh, not not as much to take a card from the opponent's hand, but really to see the entire plan. Yeah, in terms exactly. Of the first three or four turns, right? Um, I I top aided my first RCQ with Greasefang, which mm-hmm. was kind of a surprise. Uh, funny enough, actually, as a foreshadowing. Uh, in my quarterfinals match for that top eight, I played Sol Malka, who was actually one of the first people that I saw play Rakdos Sacrifice in Pioneer. And he crushed me in what should have been a pretty good matchup for me. Yeah, uh, the, that Greasefang matchup is is generally very in the in the, the Greasefang favorability. Yeah, exactly. Um, which which was interesting, and I think it was the first the first kind of like experience I had with the deck that really made me kind of like pay attention. And then um, I started seeing a bunch of people on Twitter performing pretty well with mm-hmm. sacrifice. And this was at a point in the season. I think this was like may maybe sure. um, right before Dallas, actually this was right before RC Dallas and RC Dallas, I think uh, showcased both how strong mono green was because at the time, locally here in Atlanta, um, had a running joke with some of my friends that, you know, Mono Green's the best deck in the format and no one's playing it around us. There was yeah. one one consistent player uh, in our kind of like RCQ area that was playing it and there wasn't really other Mono Green players. I, I think that's kind of the story just around in general because, I mean, here in the Houston area, we see the same thing. I mean, there's one or two guys with it and for about half the season, I played with it. I just kind of got, I'm just be honest, I got bored of the deck. Like it yeah. was, it's it's a deck I just kind of got bored with. And you know, I don't want to fault anyone for enjoying it. Like I'm very much go play what you like to play, but it just it just didn't end up being for me. Um, so I could definitely see why um, people just don't really pick it up in in paper very often because I think it is like the people that like the deck really like the deck, and then it's just eh for anyone else. Yeah, and that was exactly my opinion too. You and I have the same opinion. You know, the deck is just not for me. I understand the power level, uh, but the play patterns were just fairly um, one-dimensional to me, uh, and just not that fun. And yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, I I think I I saw um, Brittany MTG actually on mm-hmm. Twitter was one of the first people I saw really perform well and consistently with Rakdos Sack. Sure. Uh, and this was at a time again where like. Mono Green was super uh, on the rise, and and Rakdos Mid was kind of the boogeyman of the yeah. of the format. And Rakdos Mid was uh, 
you know, kind of kind of on a downswing. RC Dallas kind of showed a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the big deciding factors for me wanting to play Rakdos Sack is because it seemed to have such a good matchup against Rakdos Mid, Rakdos Mid being the most popular deck in the format. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely what, what drew me to the deck initially. Well, so my, my history of the deck, and, and our listeners know I've I've played the deck. It's probably my most played deck the last several uh, Pioneer RCQ seasons, uh, kind of, especially because uh, mainly I'm a Spirits player, but Spirits has been really sure. unplayable in the format until until pretty recently, uh, yeah. partially thanks to the Rakdos Sack matchup. So I always, <laughs> yeah. I always find it funny when I'm just like, Rakdos Sack's the best deck in the format right now, and I don't know how you Spirits players are getting by because that would be me jamming the deck too. But I, I, I think that um, the deck does a great job of number one that's why i picked it up because again every every you know every rcq i go to all the houston grinders half the room is going to be rakdos mid-range so i'm i think well i can play fable which is the best card in their deck and play the matchup and play a, a list that is just the better version of their deck at the same time so i think right. rakdos sack was just like you're saying perfectly poised to kind of replace mid-range on the downturn yeah and and to get into like how i really decided to go into the deck you know um your listeners know you and that they know sack so they know that sack thrives in an environment uh where creature decks are dominant right and Mm -hmm. most most of the decks uh in the format are creature decks so that was a huge appeal so i reached out to Brittany and i said Brittany, do you offer coaching you know i'm really interested in learning the deck trying to get a, a good like high level understanding of how this deck operates and the nuances and stuff. And she mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm actually not, not in a position where I feel like I uh, can offer coaching, but I highly recommend Logan Nettles uh, mm-hmm. on, on Twitter. He's known as Jabberwocky, who is a Rakdosak yep. specialist. So I reached out to him um, and, uh, and he was offering coaching. So I sat down with him for uh, an initial coaching session of an hour and that hour turned into two hours, you know, yeah. on the spot um, because he got into the nitty gritty of his card choices and the way that the deck is constructed, the sideboard, you know, why, why Cauldron Familiar is at three versus four, uh, all of these little specific choices that are very intentional. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and it really made me realize that I played Sack back in arena in the historic days when you could play sure. John, John Sack with uh, Gilded Goose and the mm-hmm. Trail of Crumbs and all that stuff. But um, but Logan really helped me understand the nuances of, you know, what it kind of boils down to with Sack is that most games come down to two or three damage. Yeah. And you you get those two or three points of damage a lot of the times by playing the cat as opposed to thought seizing turn one or, mm. you know, by, um, by holding on to cards in a way that initially doesn't seem super intuitive. Um, but really maximizing kind of every, every decision you can, um, to gain small edges. It's definitely a deck about small edges. Um, and once I, once I started seeing that, once I started practicing that, I think my, my win rate, not only my win rate went up, but also like my level of consistency, uh, as a player also went up, which yeah, is I, something that I think was lacking with my, my grease fang performance. Sure. And, and I think personally, that's one of the things that what I really like about the deck as well. And especially because, you know, I started off with Raptors mid range and Trish to sacrifice, uh, is, is that I feel like, you know, not from a 
power level and dominance of those decks in the format. They're decks that really, and, and this is a conversation for another time, obviously, and people will complain about whether or not agency is real in Magic or not, and things like sure. that. But I, I think the decks do really offer an amount of agency that's really hard to find in Pioneer that really makes me feel rewarded for my lines of play rather than just go like, guy, guy, you're dead. It is very much a, you know, a percentage point comes down to, did you get that one damage? And like you're saying there, like, you know, it is, did you leave nothing on the table? And that's how you have to approach that deck. Yeah. And, you know, nuances like, yeah, sometimes you're playing cat because of the the matchup. Sometimes you're actually holding the cat because you want to bend it to the fable or... Mm -hmm you have a blood token that you don't need to kill a, a creature on your opponent's side. They're playing a control deck. So that blood token now turns into the deadly dispute, mm -hmm. uh, sack outlet, or, you know, you, you've been, you've been the cat in the yard because, you know, eventually you're going to draw that oven and be able to get a food to then bring the cat back later. Um, and those small little nuances end up stacking up, which is, yeah. which is where the edges come from. So, so let's take a look at your build now. So we're on, I, I feel like, obviously there's a couple differences here, but I feel like this is kind of close to what we've seen as more of a standard build lately for the deck, especially now that we're seeing post-RC, you know, we're main boarding some amount of thought seizes. So we're on four Mayhem Devil, four Blood Tithe Harvester, down to three Cauldron. Again, I love that change because you'll, you only ever need the one cat. You only ever yeah. you only ever need the one, right? right. Uh, three Unlucky Witness, one Croxa, four Witches Oven, Four Fable, three Claim, three Thoughtseize, one Furnace Rain, four Deadly Sweet, four Fatal Push, and then we have our, our land suite, and we'll we'll talk about the sideboard after we kind of get through sure. the main board a bit. So, um, yeah, I think the biggest the biggest change um, I made to the list is I really wanted to hedge against Mono Green. I think mm -hmm. the matchup is fairly fifty fifty. I think it's actually in Mono Green's favor if the sack player uh, is not knowledgeable in the matchup or hasn't had extensive experience i personally love queuing against mono green because because you know my training partners in atlanta have helped me play test the matchup extensively and that's part of the reason that you see three thoughtsies as opposed to four in the main and i've put that thoughtsies in the sideboard and i've brought in an extra furnace drains that yeah. i keep in the uh main deck you know, a hit Shieldred sometimes, it's like an extra, extra sure. effect to, to get Shieldred off. It hits Omnath, it hits Elishnorn, but really it's there to hedge against Mono Green uh, because when you get the Threaten, uh, um, a Cavalier, Thorns with Furnace Reigns, sack it, and then put the Furnace Reigns back on the top of your library. Yeah, yeah. It, the game is usually over on the spot. Um, and, and I mean, that, you playing those immediately powerful. sticks out to me as well because I mean, I think it was even this last week on the podcast we we had talked about that a lot of sack decks are cutting the three man threaten effects, and with mono green right now, it just feels like such a mistake to just cut yeah. those entirely from the seventy five now. Yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, I think I think furnace ranging the cavalier and kind of I think how you get ahead in the mono green matchup is being proactive about clearing their board. Mm -hmm. You know. Part of how Mono Green gets ahead is the devotion, um, and and really the the biggest wall in the entire matchup is the Cavalier because it's a five six as reach it it ramps and mm -hmm. when it dies it gets them a card back so they 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 get so much from the Cavalier Thorns that being able to to take that away from them really takes 
a really big part of their game plan away. And I think that that's how SAC can win the match. Sure. So, I mean, is there anything, do you want to, do you want to talk about any other numbers in the main board here? Or do you want to look at the side yeah. board? I've messed around with four cauldrons familiar to unlucky witness. I've sure. tried, uh, you know, a second Kroxa, um, you know, when, when I realized that the popularity of sack was going to go up the two best cards in the mirror, um, in, in talking with Logan Nettles and really playing it myself are, uh, cauldrons familiar with oven mm-hmm. and Kroxa. Uh, sure. those are kind of mirror breakers. So I, that's why I've, I've toyed with having four cauldrons familiar to Kroxa. Um, but I, I personally, I don't know if it's just been my path or what I, I haven't come across the mirror that much in, in, mm-hmm the last 30 competitive matches I've played, I don't think I've played the mirror once. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of gone back to really just focusing on, okay, mono green seems really popular. I'm kind of just going to hedge against that. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can definitely feel that. I mean, and me personally, I, I kind of, um, it's a very, very similar build to this. And I just always settle on the, well, if I run into the mirror, I think I'll just, I'll just try to lean on the experience of playing the deck versus, uh, Plus, I, I also just run the um, just the dirty one of um, Meat Hook Massacre on my board just for, oh, for, the, nice. for the real mirror. Yeah, uh, the, the first time we got to play that, uh, it was it, it was in an RCQ, and I played it. Just I just ran it out turn two. Just my opponent was doing nothing. I'm just like, oh, this isn't getting yeah. Gotsy's out from under. We're just we're just gonna drop. We're just gonna drop for zero. And my opponent looks at it and just goes, huh? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're just oh, okay. And I'm like. Yeah, you you know what's going to happen now, man. Yeah, it's pretty tough, and that's the power of Mew Hook Massacre. It's you know you can play it for two. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to wait to play it. Um, yeah, I think in the mirror, that's a huge game to get to drop it so early. You you mm-hmm. completely, you know, nullify part of what Sack is really trying to do. So yeah. So I mean, let's let's talk about some matchups here. Let's talk about the sideboard here. Um, I see you're on two Furnace Rains, two Duress. 2k command which i love by the way i don't think people are playing enough k command yeah. uh two rending volley two obnixless the adversary two hearse of course our companion gigantha shielders edict and the fourth thought sees i mean let's talk about obnixless i mean that's a card i actually started the reason i started playing sack when new capetta came out we we had all the we had you know that was during the we're still playing things like oni cult anvil and <laughs> yeah. jamming obnixless so yeah. i'm always here to see this card get played um just kind of go over the sideboard a bit here for us. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, there's, there's the, the sideboard has very specific um, slots. And that's something that I, that Logan really helped me understand is that ev- every slot matters. Um, and, uh, and something that I did was I intentionally am deciding that Lotus Field, is, I'm just going to dodge Lotus Field. Yeah, it, that's a matchup that is already pretty bad, and uh, damping spheres okay, but they have Basaju, so like not to get too much into that. But I'm just gonna hope to dodge Lotus Field, sure. and my my hedging of that has been pretty nice. So that opens up two slots that I don't have to use for damping sphere. Yeah, I, I'm always a big fan of let's not chase our worst matchup in the side. Yeah, we're just just take the L and move on. Yeah, uh, I feel like most matchups are. Uh, between 45 and 55 percent sure for the deck um so so really making sure that i'm increasing my win percentage against most of those matchups i think matters more than you know i just haven't come across lotus field that much so 
um yeah the the control matchups and the like the really grindy decks like enigmatic fires blue white control blue black control mm-hmm. that's where duress and obnixilis come in that's kind of the package uh duress thoughts he's um Obnixilis. Obnixilis is one of those cards that if you're playing against those decks that naturally want to slow the game down, you play a cat turn one or you play a blood tithe um, and then you just casualty it. And even if they counter, you know, one of the two copies Mm -hmm. and one of those copies stays on the field, you know, it obviously doesn't win the game as fast as two copies do. But a lot of the times it's enough pressure that... um, it might not close the game out by itself, but it, it certainly helps close the door. Well, um, it also opens up, I feel like, if, you know, because they only have so many answers like Leyline Binding, right? And so it, it really draws the attention of Leyline Binding away from things like your engine ovens and things like that. Yeah. And they, they really have to decide to take out your engine piece or just let this planeswalker keep marching up the field, right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, and, and something that's like kind of nuanced and small, but really matters is the Obnixilis copy is also CMC for three. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas some copies uh, just come in as CMC zero. Uh, so it doesn't get hit by temporary lockdown, which I think is a huge game against the temporary lockdown decks. Sure, for sure. Uh, Kolagon's Command uh, is a card I love bringing in against Hearst decks. You know, I think it's really good uh, against Rakdos mid. Um it's also really good against portable hold decks like humans. Um, so, and then uh, Furnace Reigns is pretty much exclusively for Mono Green. You know, the Mono Green matchup is basically bringing Furnace Reigns, Duress, and Thoughtseize. Uh, Shieldred's Edict is a card that I actually included in the sideboard for, for this latest RCQ. Okay. It was something that was running before, but... I played a, a really a really sick uh, RCQ in South Florida not that long ago, and my only losses were to the same player who played it extremely well, but was playing this Rona Luca combo deck. Oh and yeah, yeah, played, yeah. Would exile uh, Sylvan Carrioted, which you can't interact with, <laughs> and would bring in a, a an Atraxa. And so part of part of the hedge there was if anyone is going to see that deck because. At the time I played against them, nobody knew about the deck. Sure. Uh, and this was like a month ago. So, but it also hits Kiora and it hits Karn, which is another another kind of like hedge to make the Monogreen matchup better. Um, Unlicensed Hearse is basically for any of the graveyard um, uh, matchups. You know, it's really good against Neoform. It's good against Grease Fang. It's good against the Mirror. Uh, Rending Volley hits uh, Adeline. It hits Grease Fang. Um, it hits spirits, um, which I think is a pretty tough matchup. Um, and I think that's, I think that covers it. Oh, a big point of contention actually. And it's something that, uh, you know, us Racto sack players love to have a debate about is Gigantha or no Gigantha. Sure. And am I, uh, am I going to play meat hook massacre or ley line of the void or those kinds yeah. of things? Um, there was actually a situation at the RCQ where, I had um, it was five mana against against one of the control players, and um, on paper it's different than online because online like everything is kind of displayed there for you. It's mm. easy to see the graveyards, what numbers there are, all that kind of stuff. On paper, you actually have to like 
use a little bit more mental energy to keep track of the board state, right? And there was a situation where I had uh, five cards in the graveyard, including Kroxa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was like turns and turns after I had played it. And I had Gigantha in the companion field with five open mana and a blood token. So um, on their end step, or uh, not on their end step, sorry. I, I put Gigantha in my hand. Okay. And then, um, on their end step, I bend the Gigantha. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the sixth card. And then the well, next I play the nice. card that they didn't have that's, an answer for. That's heads up playing. That's heads up. That's heads up yeah. for sure. So Gigantha plays this really interesting role of being the glue for the deck in a lot of ways where sometimes it's a 5-5 that just ends the yeah. game. Other times it's the extra card that you need to continue filtering through your library or, you know, being the last the last card to escape a crook. So, um, yeah. I, see, I'm the guy playing both. I'm playing my Gigantha and my Meat Hook in the board. Yeah. And whenever my opponent's like, did you forget your companion? I'm like, sure did, man. Thanks. <laughs> Do you want to get it? It's fine. No, no, it's, we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because I have those conversations with people too where like, you know, I, I make sure to declare the Gigantha after post-board games and after the matches, I tell people, you know, there's some sack players that like playing Leyline of the Void or that like playing mm-hmm. Meat Hook Massacre or the uh, the other threat and effect. It's the double red. Uh, Kari Zev's expertise. Yeah, 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 the expertise. Um, and so just keep, you know, kind of letting them know, like keep keep an eye out because that's an indicator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a really interesting conversation of do you give up Gigantha? Do you not give up Gigantha? Um, and, and what's your take on that? Because it seems like Meat Hook's really good, but yeah, I mean, literally Meat Hook. Like, so the matches I bring in Meat Hook for are really the Mirror, and then against Mono White Humans. Sure. And and I do think Gigantha has a lot of place in the Mirror as well, just because like it can be just this beater that's hard for the, the opponent's deck to overcome. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like um, the value of just Mino kind of outweighs that. And sure. then it gets like mono white humans. Gigantha's not really doing much for us there. I feel like if we're, if we're playing Gigantha, it's mono white. Like we're really kind of struggling. So that's what I'm just, eh, we'll board it out, bring in the meat hook. But generally I, I'm all in Gigantha. It's like I said, it is just for the meat hook for the mirror and like mono white humans, which is a very popular deck around my area. So yeah. um, generally though, I used to not be a Gigantha believer because that's, I was playing like Karizov's expertise and just as time has gone on, I'm just like, no, no, no. Like the extra, the extra card is just mechanic is companion's a mistake. <laughs> the extra card is just is always so good. It's very strong. I agree. Um, yeah, and and to to kind of go through my tournament run, I I honestly I feel like I got really lucky. I mean, again, I I've had four RCQs top eights this season with an extra extra one K top eight, all playing uh, sack. And in this run, I, the the kind of most nervous matchups I had were the both both the control matchups. You know, mm-hmm. Round two, I played Demir control. Round three, I played Azorius control. Um, my only loss in the Swiss was against Mono White Humans, and that was just really bad variance. In game mm-hmm. two, I kept the four lander, and I drew seven lands straight. Yeah, which against the humans deck, what are you going to do, right? That's, that's magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the control matchups were honestly the ones where like. Game one feels really tough because they have a ton of sweepers. They have a ton of mm-hmm. interaction. Uh, and they're just really trying to delay the game until they can two for one you with Deluge and Teferi. Yeah. And, um, but obviously the post-board games get a lot better when you bring in Duress, when you bring in Opnixilis uh, and really pressure 
uh, than that way. Uh, what, do you, what do you feel about just the traditional, like traditional blood controlled X versus the like the Lotus discontinuity versus? I haven't actually run into a lot of the discontinuity builds around here, so I'm kind of more familiar playing against the just straight blue light control. But how do you how do you approach those those matchups differently because of the different like there's such high differences in the in between the two builds? Definitely. Um, I think. I think the Lotus Field version of Blue White Control is actually harder for SAC um, for a couple of reasons, but I think they're just much better at kind of stalling the game. Mm-hmm. And also because they have a higher mana count, they just they just get to spend their mana in much more egregious ways than the 60 card Azorius Control uh, deck does. Um, and from that perspective, I think I think the post sideboard games are somewhat as as good for you uh in either matchup but I, I tend to think that the the if if we're talking about the same skill level uh, mm-hmm. of players i think the lotus field version is much harder to deal with sure yeah um and then yeah i drew into top eight it was this really interesting scenario where um we were both pretty confident we would make it uh the last round we were i think I was fifth, he was sixth in the Swiss mm-hmm. standings. Uh, we shook for it, and because of breakers, it ended up being that I got in at eighth place, and he unfortunately did not make it, um, got out of the tournament at ninth. Um, quarterfinals matchup was Mono Green, which I mentioned I had a ton of playtesting experience uh, with my training partners here in Atlanta, um, and it felt like a really good matchup for me. The The one notable sequence that happened is in game two he played four old growth trolls in two turns um and uh i was able to get two mayhem devils down um and there was a turn where i had enough mana to um to essentially deal 12 damage plus a fatal push and i got rid of all four trolls in one turn oh wow yeah and then the following turn he made uh, a troll token uh, and I was very low on life. I think I was at at two life. Uh, I top decked. Um, I claimed the firstborn. I claimed the token. I swung in. He was at sixteen. I dealt exactly fourteen. I had a choice between killing the token or trying to do as much damage as possible. It mm-hmm. wasn't lethal, but I left him in a place. We were both at two, and I had to give the, uh, the token back. Um, and uh, any top deck to Karn for some reason just didn't attack with the the trample token because uh, all I had was a, a blood tithe token, a blood tithe harvester to block, so he would have gotten in for lethal, um, and I just got the win. But um, that was a pretty sick, you know, two mayhem devils, a bunch of treasures, blood tokens, and I was just able. It's one of those scenarios that Logan Logan really taught me that like. The deck filters really well, and you, and this mm-hmm. is a deck where you can really play to your outs, and you should yeah. it should play to your outs. There's a similar scenario against the Rakdos mid range player round one, where same thing. Like I I was able to steal, I furnace ranged um, uh, a shieldred and uh, claim the firstborn, a goblin token. I was at two life, and because of the two extra treasures, um, I had two blood tokens. I got mm-hmm. the filter both tokens put myself back up to six life and the last possible card i drew was a fatal push for the children and that and that kind of stuff matters so playing to your outs i think is one of those 
one of those things that sometimes you have to go for it. And if you don't get there, you just don't get there. But you're you're increasing your chances to win a lot of matchups that otherwise you just wouldn't win. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I, I think I think we've got a good understanding of the deck now, where it is now. But now comes the fun question. Sure. So we got Eldraine coming out in about two weeks, right? It comes online in about a week and a half. Um, are there – I know at least for SAC, there's probably, I think, about two cards at least I'm already looking at. Are there what, – what are, what are you looking at? Is there anything – have you gotten a chance to look at spoilers? Is there anything you're looking at trying out? Yeah, I'm not sure. I I honestly haven't had a chance to, like, do an in-depth look at um, the spoilers. I've looked through – um some of them as they've come out um i think the black red dragon's really sweet uh, mm-hmm. i'm not sure if it's exactly gonna fit uh in this deck but i think there's a lot of bargaining you know bargaining being one of the main mechanics of the set i think could be really interesting for sac uh, but what what are those what are those choices that you have so I, I think one of them is definitely more so for rakdos and modern okay. and that's the the not dead after all card that oh, lets you yeah like the that card's been insane yeah. Uh, but at least for, for Sack and Pioneer, I think the new two-mana Threaten effect in this set yeah. um, is a potential challenger for Furnace Reigns. Okay. Uh, so it's Twisted Fealty. So it's a three-mana Threaten effect still, two, two and a red, uh, gain control, gains haste, right? Uh, but the difference on this one is um, the, the bonus is you give a creature a Wicked Roll token. So... So you can take their guy, give anything a wicked roll. So it's going to get one plus one plus one, and then um, when the aura is put into the graveyard, your opponent also they your opponent loses a life. Right. So right. I think like that car is going to like you can you can throw it on their guy. You're going to sack off the extra damage, get get it swinging for extra damage, paying off like do the extra damage off the sacrifice right, or just put it on your mayhem devil. Now your mayhem devil is a four four. Like I, I think that card is going to be, it, I think it is. It's a pretty good contender to replace Furnace Reigns in the list. Yeah, it's super interesting because you know the 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 counterpoint to Furnace Reigns is you get the extra treasure token, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which in the best scenario turns into one damage from your Mayhem Devil or two damage from Mayhem Devils. But yeah, it seems like there's a good chance it gets replaced with the the wicked the wicked roll token given a plus one plus one and the extra damage. That's interesting. I'll yeah, have to, I'll have to take a look. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. That's the that's the real writer. But uh, so, Joaquin, I want to say thank you again for taking the time to come on and join us. Uh, I'm I'm definitely really excited to get this out to people and uh, hear some more high level talk about about the like I said, probably one of if not the best deck in Pioneer right now. Um, and so uh, hopefully that continues to be the case. Hopefully you continue to see great success of the deck list. So thank you again. Uh, where can everyone can everyone find you on the social medias? Do you want to you need to want to plug anything? Like what can what can we do for you? Yeah, I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me on. I, I do feel like Rakdos Sacrifice is almost like playing a different format. You know, it feels like playing like a Legacy Delver deck or something like that. Um, but in terms of where to reach me, you know, I'm Joaquin Ballista on Twitter. The, be- the best username I've seen in a while related to Magic. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's uh, J-O-A-Q-U-I-N and then Ballista with two L's all together. Uh, and then I just want to give a shout out to, to my training team in Atlanta, Team Laser Eyes. Um, you know, it's a, a great group of people that I met the last couple of months that have really pushed me to get better at the game and really focus on the game and 
from the perspective of just getting better and not being right, which I think mm -hmm. is a, a super common barrier uh, amongst Magic players. So yeah, that's that's kind of it. I appreciate you having me on. And, awesome. Yep. Um, well, uh, we'll be sure to definitely talk to you later if the time if the opportunity arises. So uh, either like I said, I don't know if this is going to go up on its own, or I'm shooting back to the guys. Uh, whatever's going to happen, we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. All right. Have a good one. And thank you to Joaquin for that interview. Make sure you go check out Joaquin Ballista on Twitter. What a great username, right? It's a sick one. Yeah. I that was so, so good. All right. Uh, now, of course, we're going to support it. Patreon, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Uh, you got several great tiers available that are off to you. All of them help us keep the show going. And all of them do give you access to the, our exclusive Patreon-only channels and the Patreon mailbag where you can ask a question that sounds something like this. This is a Rancor who asked, if you had to make a humans deck, which flavor would it be? Orzov, four color, five color, can't be mono white. Mm, can't be mono white? Yeah. Then I'm definitely interested in collected company. Okay. I'm probably in on I'm probably in on Bant. Uh-huh. Uh, because like we mostly need white, right? Sure. We're, that's what we're here for. The white creatures are real good. We want to play our guy with Ward One, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh and 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 stuff like that. But like you know, I think I think that Thalia may be losing some of its value. Okay. How many creatures are going to be running around? Now, with these adventures, that might not be the case, right? Adventures are a little yeah. bit uh, disproportionately costed, so you probably do want to stick to your Thalias if adventures become popular. But if we could lose that, right, and we'd focus more on um, interaction, obviously, uh, uh, man, I lost it. The Reflector Mage. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot of really good three drops and Collected Company helps with that. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the flavor I'd probably want to be is, is go back to Bant if we can't build Mono White and just use Collected Company, use Reflector Mage, and then rely mostly on the on the white humans from there. Sure. Uh, look, if we're not playing one color, I'm going to play all of them, baby. We're playing four. We're playing at least four, probably five color because I'm out here riding dirty on the Mantises. I tell you what. Yep. And and the, the the humans mana base is so free. You have eight ways yeah. to produce any color mana. Like it's it's pretty sick. Like you can play however many colors you want, and you're probably not gonna be that punished. As long as you focus on one or two, or you can play like reliably your off colors, something like that, mm -hmm. right? With how free yeah. some of the, the mana is. Yep. Uh, mana surprisingly free in Pioneer, even though we don't have much fetch lands, it's just sometimes a little bit slower. So Yeah. All right. Well, that Great. will do it for uh, this week. Again, thank you, Rancor. Again, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Chris, where can everyone find you on the socials? Hey, if you want to talk to me about lands, you can find me on x.com. Uh, and I haven't, I wish I had like an x.com slash like my a cool username thing or a cool landing page like Facebook let me do 20 years ago. But yeah, I don't. So for now, you can find me at it's underscore Christmas and Christmas has no T. And of course, you can find me at crew3podcast talking all about things pioneer talking all about grant archive talking about all the random bs i'm buying and you can see behind me on the video version of the podcast we got a lot going on in that twitter account and of course you can find me at crew three pot at crew three mtg sorry over on youtube where i post some uh exclusive videos over there and then of course ricky you can find him at also steve if you want to see some his necklace he did for uh wilds of Aldrain, and then also he streams over on our twitch channel about once a week over twitch.tv slash crew3mtg. Uh, as a reminder, um, uh, the weekend of the 9th, so that's next Saturday, not this coming Saturday, Saturday the 9th, we're going to have our next uh, webcam event, uh, which is right. 
full proxy loud. We got Wildsville Drain available. It's going to be fun. It's going to be wild. So be sure to jump in. Signups uh, for the Melee event are going to be up by the time you hear this episode. So uh, be sure to go check that out and join in on the fun. That's right. If you haven't joined uh, before, feel free to ask You know more questions on how to do so, how the tournaments yep. are like. Jump in that Discord because we do use the Discord to play and, and organize some things. So it'll be on Melee, but you really want to be part of the Discord to play. Very easy to sign up. Very friendly tournament. And um, I have currently have the day off, so I'm I am planning on playing this time. Yeah, and of course, again, we just ask you do proxy, just print off some nice card images, or uh, be sure to use like previously blank uh, the checklist card, so you can we kind of clearly write stuff out, make it easier than just kind of sharpening on a basic land front. So uh, yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you, Chris for joining on this week again. Big shouts to Joaquin for joining us and letting us do that interview. Thank you, everyone, for all those wonderful decklist submissions. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.